nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Good morning, and welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. I'm Devin, joined today by Brayden, uh, classic returning guest at TFA Brayden on Twitter, and Charles Peacock, uh, second-time guest, um... At the False Nine Texas on Twitter, nine spelled out N I N E. USA one, very interesting one that I'm sure we'll get into. And uh, Holland three. Uh, I guess let's just right it, jump right into it. Um, Charles, how you feeling? Uh, pretty resigned to defeat. Um, I thought the Dutch played a really strong game. I thought they controlled the tempo um really well and and the u.s trying to play a possession-based 4-3-3 system against a coach and a country who have played that system for 50 years um was always going to kind of end up with us just being completely tactically overmatched uh it felt like the dutch just they they just wanted to try to get through this match without taking too many cards and nobody getting injured because they knew they could just score whenever they needed to. You know, they put up two goals in the first half and the U.S. gets uh, what I think could best be described as a fluke goal um, by right. And immediately they go and do the same attack pattern that they did for the first two goals and get a third. And that ended the match. And it felt, especially at that moment, that like, oh, this team is so good that they can just go and attack and score whenever they want to because they know exactly how to beat us. Yeah, and I I really, when I first saw that one, to give uh, Haji Wright credit for uh, a great goal, but uh, the more the replays came out, the more it was uh, very clear. It was kind of a nice, you know, um, colliding of a boot with a ball, and it just sort of worked out in our favor. Uh, but this wasn't a game where it got a lot of bounces, so it was nice to see one. Um, Brayden, we're about 15 minutes after the final whistle here. How are you feeling? I mean, disappointed, obviously, but I, I think most of that is correct. Like, it's just you—you you want to think like we we're kind of there, and I think we see things of this team that are that are better than what we've seen uh, in previous iterations of the World Cup. Like, if you remember the last time we got eliminated from the World Cup against uh, Belgium, uh, and Tim Howard making like was it fourteen saves or something that day, like something incredibly absurd just to keep us in the game. This one here, like one that. Yeah. <laughs> you brought it up, not me. I, I know, fair. Um, but it, it didn't feel like that in this game. Like, yes, I think the Netherlands were tactically better and, and just an overall better team on the day, but it felt like we were more in this one. If, even though, like, you know, and I don't want to bring his name up too much, but, like, Lawless talking the post game about, like, tired being tired of moral victories like i get that um but it does feel like a step in the right direction even though it's kind of painful i think i agree with that and i mean lala says that a lot though and then he celebrates moral victories a week later or whatever's <laughs> going on so yeah uh, fair <laughs> it is it is what it is uh i guess let's walk through the game a little bit uh kind of a weird ball right in the second or third minute drops Fuck, the holistic man. he kind of looks offside replay looked like he was onside um, I've seen a, people, a few people giving him shit about this, but I thought that was a good shot. It's low. It's changing height. Uh, there's some pace on it. It's not, you know, an absolute rocket or anything, but it's a good shot. The ball gets saved. It happens. Um, Braden, anything you think was think differently there? No, nah, I mean, I think people giving him shit are people who, like, haven't really played sports past high school. Like, like I think there's certain things of just, like, at this level, it's hard to execute these things and, and to – you put it on like he did, I think is mostly fine. Like, would you rather have a cleaner strike? Yes. Would you obviously rather have a goal? Also, yes. But, you know, sometimes it just doesn't come off for you that day. And, like, there's a reason why you have a big fucker guarding your net uh, who can spread out like that and get to the ball. So I, I don't have too much against him on that. Like, you would hope that he could bury that, but it's a harder chance that it looks, I think. Yeah, and as Fox said a thousand times, he's the tallest person in the tournament. Um, so between that and we had a, a nice uh, ball down the down the left side, and uh, Aki kind of heads it away. Uh, good clearing header, really easy one to put in the back of your net um, before the Holland goal. It looked like we started out good. Charles, what do you think? 
Uh, yeah, I thought the I thought the U.S. especially early um, were able to have a little more energy, and they were able to get forward. Um, the The Dutch ultimately seemed pretty content to try to defend pretty deep and try to counterattack, which I think played into that a little bit. Um, but I I think the U.S. plays better when the game is at a faster pace and a little more frenetic to where their athleticism shows more. And I think that was a good example of, of how the U.S. looks better in that environment, especially early on in a game. Yeah, and I think uh, this is obviously early goals kill, especially in tournaments, especially in, you know, knockouts at the World Cup. Uh, this is a very slick and, um, quite frankly, delicious Holland goal. Um, they just one touch past this better than you would ever draw up or anybody you would ever see uh, make these audacious passes at um, La Masia or on FIFA or something like that. Ball comes back across, um, you know, a late runner into the box, classic goal. Uh, any any defensive lapses you see here, or do you think this is just, you know, a very, very good technical side doing what they do? I, I think it was definitely a, a technical side doing what they do. I think um, one of the underrated parts of the Dutch game, and especially how De Jong plays, is that they are so comfortable having the ball in their own half. And they really used the U.S.'s um, attempts to press against them to create space for their back. And, you know, we talk about defensive lapses, and, and one of the reasons why there's a defensive lapse at the end of the goal is because of how the U.S. moved forward earlier in the goal. And their runs back were so much further than they than they normally would have been that that opens up the space for a late a late runner like Memphis. Um, I think all eleven Dutch players touched the ball on that movement. Um, I, I went to replay it after the goal happened, and the first time I knocked it back, I was like, "Oh, I'll knock it back like twenty seconds. That'll probably be the start of the move." And it's like, "Oh no, this was you have to go like forty seconds back to see when the move began." Um, because they are just so comfortable on the ball, no matter where they were on the pitch, and just were just like, oh, we're going to ping it here and ping it here and ping it here, and then all of a sudden there's a guy, there, you know, all of a sudden their their possibly best finisher has a perfect shot right at the top of the box. Yeah, and I mean he he slots at home. I don't think Turner can do anything there. I don't think our Absolutely defense, not. at least at that point, can can do anything there. I think maybe you have an argument that Adams should haul a guy down earlier in the play and possibly should i don't know if there's a yellow card in his head there and he's worried about the next round which i would hate if that was true and i don't think it is but i I also just i also just wouldn't want to see adams have to take a card that early Mm -hmm. Um, sure yeah i I think it's the other part of it i think that's that's a general thing of like just trying to make sure you can see on the field and having to take a yellow 10 minutes in would just immediately put the the u.s defense in a in a much harder spot in terms of what adams was capable of doing and and really living his aggression which is one of his strongest points no, but I mean, uh, Braden, you want to jump in here too as well, but also like I'd rather Tyler Adams has a yellow card and he's gone for the next round than us give a goal, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think a little bit of that's hindsight. Like when you look at how quickly the Dutch were moving the ball around, I, I think it's, you know, yes, maybe you could clear someone out, but maybe you don't touch them at all. Like maybe you get a yellow card, they get advantage, and, you know, now you've given off a goal and you've got a booking. So I – I don't know. Like, it's just a really good goal at the end of the day. I think. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I'm just playing devil's too. advocate a little bit here. For sure. I mean, for sure. Like, I I can't go too hard on them. It's it's the goal that every team wants to score. Oh, absolutely. Especially like, if you're uh, if you're counterattacking and you're kind of playing that a little little deeper set. It's like I, if you watch watch that on like a training ground where it's like pre choreographed, you would be like, "Wow, that's never going to work in a real game." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so that kind of puts us behind the eight ball to begin with. Uh, do you think? I mean, obviously Holland sat a little deeper after that, but do you think we changed our tactics at all? Or I, there were some misplayed passes, but I couldn't tell if it was just sort of like nerves or. Uh, we were kind of, you know, scared of the occasion, as announcers like to say, although I don't really love that terminology. These are professional athletes, and uh, they play very high-pressure uh, high games all the time. Um, but the next 10 to, call it 15 minutes, we were pretty scraggly. What do you guys attribute that to? Uh, Braden, you want to go first? Yeah, so I I don't know if you watched. I think it was Ghana, uh, Croatia, I think it was. 
uh, their last match of the group stage. I could be, I could have that wrong, but it, it was specifically. I, I want to bring up Ghana because they are also among, with the U.S. the youngest team in the tournament, and I think you saw a team that if you watch Ghana play, when they when things were going well for them, they looked almost unplayable, and when things were not going well, they looked terrible. And I think we saw a little bit of that from this U.S. team in this game where when we conceded that goal and, and going down for the first time in this tournament, I I think you just saw a, a team that wasn't fully ready and, and have it figured out how they're going to recover from that. I, I just think there's a little bit of this being a young team. And, you know, I think Tyler Adams has been a great leader for the team, but it, it's, he's maybe not someone who's been, uh, you know, in this many situations in knockout football to be able to say, like, here's how we're going to be able to get out of it. Um, but, you know, that's just part of this team growing. And I think it's fine. This is a step in the growing process. Um, I, I kind of think it, we just got – we were rattled a little bit and, and had trouble recovering from it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Charles, you want to add anything here? No, I, I agree with I agree with that completely. I think um... – you know, such a young team and facing something that they, they hadn't had to face this tournament yet. And frankly, uh, um, something that I don't think they were set up to go against. I felt like um, the setup was much more for like trying to, um, you know, play the U.S. game that we've been playing and having confidence in it. And I think once the confidence got shook, um, it definitely took them a while to get it back. Like until they kind of like created another chance or two, you could tell that they were a little worried about like the direction the game might go in. Um, I mean, I know that we, we like to mock the phrase that goals change games, but the biggest thing that goals change is players confidence and belief. Okay. So Pulisic has a, a good shot early in the game. It's a good save. Uh, we have another opportunity. It doesn't quite go our way. There's good defensive play. Uh, Holland has like a near, you know, bulletin board, perfect goal. How do I bra- blame this on Greg Berhalter? <laughs> so I, I think the way he blamed this on Greg Berhalter is um, Haji Wright in the first half, Pereira in the second half is the way you blame it on Greg, Greg Berhalter. Because uh, we'll probably get to this later, but there's a chance in the second half that comes to Haji. I'm just like, Oh, Ferreira is the guy that you really wanted that to, to come to. Um, so if you want to blame Burhalter, I, I think that's your path. Okay. Um, I was just having a little fun with it. But yeah, I, there's kind of a dead space in the game for about 20 minutes. And then we come back, there's a, I don't remember which order it's in. There's kind of like a half chance that Wea takes a nice whack at, uh, you know, expected but decent save from the Dutch goalkeeper. Um, Serginho Dest goes swashbuckling, crazy, awesome, dribble through nine people um, thing that he can do, uh, especially when he's on his game and doesn't quite get the shot away. So we look over, building, we're building, we're building. And then another bad thing happens. And I think this one's a lot less of a brilliant one-touch-it up the field goal. But um, I'll let you guys take it away, Charles. How did you see the second for Holland? Uh, you know, I I think it... In some ways, it was similar to the first one um, in terms of mostly their attacking pattern of where players occupied spots in the box um, than than anything. It's just, you know, at some point, like, you know, we talk about Dust getting forward or we talk about, you know, Robinson getting forward, but also, like, you know, the back post was open. And, and Daly Blint, who somehow is only 32, I'm shocked. I was shocked when I heard that today because I thought yeah, he was... Wow. Yeah. Really? I thought, I, yeah, uh, I, I thought he was... prepared to make like 900 Joe Allen old guy jokes and I looked it up and he's younger than me and I was like, oh, fuck. No, like, I, I mean, I thought Daley Blinton was like old and washed up when he left United like years ago because I he watched was. him That's just like flail around at center, <laughs> as, as a center mid and not be able to do anything. And then you just, and then he just like goes in the box and nobody's there and nobody's there to defend him and he just puts it home. And again, it's one of those situations where, you know, Turner stands there and it's just like, guys, like, I, like he had no chance at any point to save the any of the goals they scored, really. Uh, and it's just a really just uh, a lackluster defense, which was really like the U.S.'s hallmark going in. Yeah, and I think uh, we were the only team in the group stage to not give up an open play goal. Yeah. That changed in a hurry, obviously. Um, and I think we did recover eventually. It took us a while, but we 
we kind of said, but um, Braden, who's at fault here? Is this Walker Zimmerman? Is this Serginio Dest? Is this the whole damn team? What's what's going on? Um, I mean, so it's very easy to point to Serginio Dest and, and say that he should have tracked the runner because he absolutely should have. Uh, and I think that's that's something that plagued us all today of just not tracking uh, those late runners into the box. And we did a very poor job at that. And that wasn't just uh, Serginio Dest. Uh, Zimmerman, yeah, probably needs to be better on this as well. But hey, you've got, yeah, you you really do just have to follow that that runner there when when it's your man. Like you do have to follow it, and I, I have just wasn't good from anyone all the way around. I think. Yeah, and I mean, there's some some stuff in the buildup before the cross even comes in where. Uh, I'd, I'd have to go back and look at it again, but I think it's Robinson and Ferreira both just sort of like, you know, hands up, yep. like not me, not yep. my guy. And then they end up with a, a wide open crossing opportunity. And again, I'm, you know, maybe let's call it 65 deaths, 35 Zimmerman, but they both need to do better there for me. Charles, what about you? Yeah, agreed. I mean, sometimes it just, I, I think that's, that's one of the things that happens just in team sports is, is the communication level between your teammates, um, has to be super high and you have to know what everybody's going to do. And I think we saw what happens when you play a really good team and you make any kind of mistake is that they are going to make you pay and they're going to punish you every time. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, I'm a big Holland fan when they're not playing the U S and I've watched them every game of this tournament and they would have beaten Qatar 35 to nothing if they played like that, <laughs> played like they did today <laughs> in that game. Um, oh I, yeah. I, I felt like today the question of how many goals the Dutch were going to score was entirely up to how many they felt like scoring. Yeah. Um, so if, hopefully they, they continue playing like this throughout the, the rest of the tournament. Cause that looked great. Even for, I'm sure for neutrals. Um, yeah. And we kind of talked about it. Like I would rather have played the way teams were playing uh, Holland over Senegal or Ecuador uh, going into this game. Uh, maybe not after this game, but it's, um, I mean, at some point, it's a it's a technical side, and if they're doing things well technically, and they have some speed, they have some burners. Um, you know, we talked about it going into the game, like, oh, who's the the only key man they really have that's playing well is Cody Gakpo. Well, he was nowhere to be found today, but everybody else on the team stepped up. Uh, so yeah, I, I would have rather taken like a hot hand Cody Gakpo over um, full fit and firing Holland. But uh, we go into halftime down two to nothing. I think it's probably a good time to talk about both the starting lineup and the halftime subs because they're concurrent for me or uh, at, at least very related. Um, Braden, what did you think about the lineup when it came out? I felt that Ferreira starting was a big call. Um, and really, I feel like that's the only thing we have to comment on because like, out, unless you want to talk about Geo should have started, which I think is a fair opinion to have but i don't think that was ever really realistic if you've watched like this tournament and understand like greg bearhalter that was never going to happen yeah i mean but, like what what we would have liked to happen and what's reasonable within greg land are two different questions so um let's let's stick to greg land for right now yeah yeah um so i i think like ferrera is kind of the the big call there and i Look, I think you have to say in the first half, he was just objectively bad. Like, there was a lot of times where you want him to be kind of the, not really, like, poacher number nine, but, like, kind of that, like, advanced forward who's going to, like, lead the line. You look for balls in behind. And Netherlands weren't giving balls in behind, especially at that first goal. Like, that was just never going to be a thing. But there were a couple of times where the ball fell to Ferreira and I felt he could have been a little bit more attacking towards goal and chose to, to play it back. A couple of times took a heavy touch. Like It's just all sorts of things that we didn't need <laughs> from our number nine uh, that day. And I think some of that is Matt Sharpness. Like, this is his first time he played in the tournament and that's kind of on Greg as well. Is like, if you get him a little bit more time in the group stage, maybe he's ready to go. But... um. I thought Ferreira didn't look ready to go um, in this game, uh, but I think it's a reasonable enough decision uh, going into it. Like, I, I think the plan was okay. It just didn't work out. Yeah, and I I understand the, like, wanting to put a burner in behind because they have kind of some slower, at least these days, center backs. And he, he did have one play, uh, I think it was about 35 minutes in, 
where we're getting peppered left and right um, with balls pressing. I know like clear cut chances, but we're clearly like on the back foot. We're scrambling and he earns a really good foul. Um, so he wasn't totally useless, but I mean, I'm with you. He, I don't know if it's him out of his depth or him lacking match fitness or if, you know, Austin FC broke him or what happened, but um, uh, Charles, anything you want to add on the, uh, the lineups? I mean, I'm, I've, I, again, I, I think we've seen that Burhalter, you know, likes continuity and he likes trying to play the same players. I didn't, I, I was a little surprised to see Ferreira, but I, I, I thought that that was probably a signal that Sargent wasn't ready to go. Um, and we didn't see him yeah. today. I think the, I think the biggest thing about Ferreira was um, we needed him or that position at least to do more to try to move the Dutch defense. And he wasn't able to do that. I, I, I see the, the idea behind it of trying to, uh, of trying to have somebody who can run in behind. But when they were playing so deep, he would have been better off trying to run more diagonally or try to draw, try to draw the Dutch defenders wide to create some more space in behind or in between. And he kind of didn't really do that. He, he dropped deep a few times, but ultimately lost the ball because it's kind of not his game. Um, and so it just kind of, it, I could see how it could have worked. It just didn't. Yeah, I, I think we all see kind of the theory there. Um, and I don't think anybody on the field, Braden, you kind of hinted at this earlier, really did enough to adjust both like towards how Holland had started and especially after the goal was scored. For about 10 or 15 minutes, our entire attack was Tim Ream running diagonally through their midfield and then sort of oh, looking up and going, oh, my Lord. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, somebody move, like... Um, <laughs> don't make this happen. Please stop making this. Yeah. Happen. Like I love Tim Ream as much as anybody on the planet right now, but that's not exactly how I want to attack. He did, especially like, you know, we were, he would pass the ball up and maybe it was a fine pass, but then, you know, one or two passes or one or two touches later, the ball's turned over and Holland's ready to go. And we've got a center back out of position. And, um, it, I, I don't know if it was like the early goal that set that on our heads, but we were getting tactically destroyed in the first half. Yeah, uh, and then we make a sub at halftime. Uh, what do you guys think? I too little, too late, or is this the right move? Or um, what do you think, Braden? I don't think it's too little, too late. Like I, I think it's the right move. Like I think kind of one of my frustrations for a good bit of the first half was a little bit of a lack of technical security with the ball. Like I felt like we were taking a lot of heavy touches, which you know meant that you know, windows closed and and just we weren't able to progress other pitch as much as we would have liked to. And I, I think that Gio is a guy who helps with that. Like, I think he is someone who's a little bit more technically secure. And, it, you know, it's kind of one of those, when you get into your, your down 2-0 in a, in a knockout stage, you, you got to kind of go with someone who's maybe going to have a little bit of that naivety of just like I'm just gonna go and play <laughs> like I, yeah. I don't care like I, it, you kind of need that at that point like you you need guys who maybe aren't worried about giving up the third goal and are just like yeah it's a long shot but I'm gonna take my chance uh, so I, I think the sub there was fine I understand why Gia wasn't included from the start like I think that's perfectly fine um, and I think he was the guy to bring on um so, yeah, like, I think the sub there is fine. Yeah, I think I agree. And, I mean, we started the second half. I, I think we gave the chance pretty early. But other than that, the first 15 or so minutes, we were looking like we were, we were going to score. And we were definitely on the ascendancy. Uh, Charles, would you have done anything differently? Uh, and, I mean, we can kind of segue this into the second set of subs, too. Do you think we made those too late? Or, you know, we were kind of controlling the ball for a while. Um it looked possible at least uh, at halftime. I wasn't totally dead about the second goal. I know a lot of people have and, or, and we're feeling that way. Um, I, but I, th I thought the team came out great. Uh, how about you? Uh, I mean, I thought the team overall probably felt pretty comfortable about what they were doing. I, I, I don't think the U S looked, I don't, I don't think the U S looked bad in the first half. Um, I, I thought it was much more of the case of this. The Dutch are really good. <laughs> Um, I agree putting Gio on for technical ability and be able to keep the, um, and just being able to retain possession in midfield was important. I thought bringing on Hodge Wright was a, was good because he 
was able to provide a presence against the Dutch defenders that we just didn't have before. And I felt like that was able to create some space that Gio and Pulisic were able to kind of get into. Um, which they weren't really able to do before. I, th- I think one of the the signs of how well the U.S. is playing is where the wingers get the ball. Um, the U.S. is typically at their best when they're getting the ball further up the field or when they're able to cut inside. For instance, what happened on the, the goal against Wales, where ultimately that's a goal where the two wingers are both making diagonal runs inside. Um, you know, the subs, I, I think bringing Aronson's on the, Aronson on is a good idea to try to, you know, try to get back into playing an up-tempo game. I didn't think he played very well today. Um, I thought he lost the ball too many times, and he was able to um, really help link up between the defense and attack in a way that that position needs to. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had to do something to try to change the match because ultimately we weren't going to be winning what we were doing. No, I agree with you on Aronson, but also it's a little unfair to say, hey, here's, I don't even remember what minute they came on, but here's 25 minutes, you're down Two goals, go fix it. Um, well, also, have to try some stuff, well, right? Well, the the other weird thing, and I saw a couple of people point this out, is that Reina came on and was um, more or less playing on the wing, and then Aronson came on and was playing centrally, and then and some people were kind of picking up and being like, "Does Greg know that those aren't the positions those players should be playing?" And it kind of like sorted itself out at one point, but like for a few minutes, it it just looked very. It looked like it was trying to put a bunch of square pegs into round holes of just like throwing guys on. And that's not really, that's not going to work. Like it just isn't. Um, and so I was kind of glad when they kind of like switched back around. Uh, but yeah, it just wasn't, it, it's unfair to like expect too much of like trying to turn a game around. And he came on in the 63rd, 67th minute. So no, yeah, I agree. So I... Go ahead, Braden. I was going to say, like, I mostly look at Aronson as kind of a chaos agent uh, in, in their, the national team level. Yeah. Like, I, I think he's a guy who comes in and I think he successfully upped the pace of the game. Like, yes. I, I think that it became a little bit more chaotic after that. And that's absolutely what the U.S. needed, even if his specific contributions of, like, final balls and that sort of thing wasn't perfect. I think some of the ways that he impacted the game helped uh for the u.s to to give us a shot in it um and you know it didn't work out so if that happens right yeah well i guess the other problem i want to point out here is would you have taken tim way off in favor of well they took way off for aronson that yeah that's a good question like i it's one of the, it's one of those where the U.S. is in a weird situation of there's no one that you look at who is like so good that they can't take off outside of Pulisic, but you kind of always you kind of also look at the guys coming on and you're like, are we sure that this guy is like that much better? Because um, like Waya did seem like a guy who was dangerous tonight, and I, I think there were a number of guys who. You look, especially like Anthony Robinson at the end, looked absolutely exhausted. And I, I feel like we maybe had some minutes in the legs of guys like Weya, and maybe that was a thought of just like, this game is going to have to be chaotic, and these guys are not only going to have to change the game now, but they're going to have to go into extra time. Um, and so, like, maybe the, that was the thought. I, I'm not sure, but I, I think it makes sense. Is that a fair concern or a fair way to play it, though, if you're down by two goals to say, well, I don't want to put on so-and-so because we might end up scoring two goals on accident and, uh, you know, playing another half an hour. Like, I don't think you can approach a game that way. You have to go, okay, we need two goals. How do we get two goals, right, Charles? Yeah, I mean, I think at some point, like, that's that's a problem when you get to it. Um, okay, but at what point? Like, we're talking 60, 70th minute here. I mean, I, I don't feel as though these were kind of out of – uh, out of character for when Greg normally subs anyway. I think that just having fresh legs was was a benefit. I don't like taking off Waya because I thought he I, I think he brings a lot of things that nobody else does. Agreed. Um I think he's the I think he's our best winger in terms of getting to the byline. I think he um he has a willingness to shoot that I don't think is like really prevalent in the US lineup. Uh 
and, and we, so we I, have a I, lot I don't, of guys I, who wait for perfect shots. <laughs> yes, that, that I think that's one of the one of the things that works against the U.S. at times. Because um, again, like I, I would like to see McKinney shoot more from distance. I would like to see Adams try to shoot more from distance. I just think we don't because we're just kind of waiting for that perfect chance. Um, and and like you said with Aronson of like, you know, being a chaos agent and looking at how you know the u.s goal was scored which ultimately was just kind of like bouncing around in the box like maybe it would have been a better idea to just you know take long shots and just hit it as hard as you can at at, um at the keeper as uh, you know as good and as big as he is like he's not gonna be able to catch every rebound (laughs) yeah and i mean that's what way i did in the first half after that dead period is just kind of like hey i got i got a whack at it i'll take it good shot keeper expects to save it he does but after that we kind of got a little more lively up until they scored again but um at the very least, it, it kind of energizes the team. And I think especially if you're talking to like a World Cup tournament type of situation, that's a lot more promising than maybe, you know, like, okay, we're playing with these same people week in, week out. Um, you guys want to talk about the goal? Let's talk about the good thing. <laughs> yeah, let's do the good thing. Um, <laughs> so there was a bad thing right before the good thing where Holland just gifts us this ball. <laughs> and... Uh, I think Haji has to take this first time and just roll it into the bottom corner. He tries to take it around the keeper. Not a terrible idea. Horrible first touch. I know, Brayden, oh, you boy. said you thought that was the Jesus for or Jesus Ferreira moment. Um, no, no, no. I, I was thinking of later. It, it would have made it 2-2. Oh, yeah, yeah, where the keeper comes out. Okay, we'll, we'll yeah. touch on that in a minute. Uh, so, we didn't score. But this one's good, actually, now that you that, mentioned it. Yeah, we uh we get a we get a corner and we end up scoring off of it, which uh, everybody really wanted to see DeAndre Yedlin this game, and I I remember getting like a bunch of texts like, oh, how can they bring on Yedlin? Da, 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 da. And so we get this corner off of this uh, play that Haji probably should have scored on, regardless. But whatever, a corner comes out. Um, Yedlin makes a very very nice pass. It's glorious. Yeah, cross comes in. Uh, it sort of hits off Haji Wright's ankle, goes up in the air. There's a flailing keeper. There's a flailing defender. Whatever. I would love this goal if it was on purpose. We kind of talked about it a little bit in the intro. <laughs> and I really, really wanted to give him credit for it. But uh, after about the third or fourth replay, I was like, nope, I can't even, in my most optimistic, give this to you. Um, Braden, uh, what did you think about that whole sequence? Uh, look, uh, flailing defender, flailing goalkeeper is the best kind of goalkeeper and defender. Absolutely. Uh, I'm... I'm fine with it like I think you're right to call it DeAndre Yedlin for this and I had the same thing where I was in group chats where someone was like DeAndre Yedlin when you need a goal and there's like five <laughs> cry laughing emojis after it or something like that hey don't and, worry we and, put in Jordan Morris later so we got to do the same thing it, exactly yes but it, like he delivered the goods on that like it's a great pass into Pulisic who puts it in and it's one of those things where it's like you put a ball in dangerous areas and sometimes dangerous things happen. Like, even if you mean them or not, like it, it, it's just, you're putting the ball in an area where things can happen and something happened for this one, whether, you know, it was a fantastic goal by Haji. Sure. Like we'll, we'll go with that. Like, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll say it's fine. Yeah, I mean, if um, we come back or, and win this game, everybody's like, do you remember that amazing flick from Haji Wright, who we totally intended exactly. to do it? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, I, you know, it, that's just part of, like, we need to put the ball in those areas more in this game, and, and we're not able to do it consistently. So we're going to end up doing, like, a whole redux on this World Cup and how the USA played, but, like, this is a giant criticism of Greg Ball in general. Uh, you don't just sort of like whack it into a dangerous area. It it has to be this perfect little nice sterile thing where we can see the alleys and we have to play the ball in there. We can only, you guys mentioned it earlier, we only take shots when they're great shots and they're perfect shots and and all this stuff. And like, that's not really how tournaments work. If you look at a lot of these goals in some of these games, it's just bang it across the middle and like, it's a hockey goal. Uh, it's literally like throw it towards the net and like get lucky or something weird will happen. Like, do you remember, like, essentially the goal of the tournament from the 2018 World Cup? Like, Pavard's, like, ridiculous volley. Like, oh, explain yeah. to me how that is, like, a perfect chance. <laughs> like, it's not. A guy just, like, puts his fucking foot through it, and it's glorious. That's what, 0.02 XG or something like that? Probably, yeah. I, I, I don't even know, but... 
you know, sometimes you have to gamble with that and check out the football academy for more. <laughs> yeah, you guys are experts in numbers. Um, Charles, the good thing, what do you think? Uh, first, if I'm a Hodge right, I 100% claim that I plan to do that. Um, I would say <laughs> oh, that yeah, as well as I did. I'm here for uh, it. But, but you're you're right. I think that's something that the U.S. doesn't do enough, and I don't think we um, – generally, I think one of the drawbacks of Peralta's system is that we don't get enough players into the box. Um, I, I would – I really would hope that moving forward we'd be able to play a system that would allow somebody like McKinney to get in there more to be able to get more chances um, and just get bodies in there because if you – you know, if you get a ball in dangerous like, – like you were saying, if you get the ball into a dangerous area – and you have bodies there, good things can happen. Um, and I think a lot of times, like the U.S., you're, especially uh, earlier in this game, like, it'd be across, it'd be like, well, nobody's there. Like, <laughs> Well, I did, yeah, I, I did I like I that later in the point. game, too. Uh, we actually had bodies in the box, especially when we had Reyna and Aronson on. And I don't yeah. know if that's, you know, game state, whatever, but, like, you look at it, and I've, I noticed at all tournament, it's this classic kind of like, okay, well, you got the ball wide, and you got one guy maybe kind of hanging out somewhere in the box and maybe in a, a late runner kind of arriving at the top of the box if the cross lands or something. Um, Brayden, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What were you going to add? No, you're good. There was one point, I, I can't remember if it was right after they scored their second goal or, or if it was like midway through the first half, but it was something like the U.S. had sent in like 16 crosses and the Dutch had sent in like four or something was a stat that flashed across the screen. And it's like, yeah, they're really fine with that. <laughs> like, like we have no Ferreira against Van Dyke is fine for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, not even just that, but like, like Ake was, I thought, tremendous today. Yeah, but like, yeah, he was really good. And, and he's and he's only five eleven or whatever. But like, still, like he won every header it seemed like he was in competition for. So just the Dutch seemed very, they seemed like they had a very clear plan of how they thought the U S was going to play and knew how to play against it. And I think that's kind of part of it is kind of like, Oh, you're going to play crosses in cool. Have fun. Like this will be practice for us. Yeah. One of my great crusades about the game of soccer or football or whatever you want to call it is to disentangle the notion that only tall people can score on crosses. And you can only score on crosses on headers. Yes. Um, Because that's clearly not true. Um, But that's a rant for a different day. Um, Brayden, what were you going to say? No, I I lost my train of thought. Like, it's fine. Okay. Um, I I think you kind of mentioned it, too. Like, Jedi got beat up in this game pretty bad. And and then, you know, we can, we'll talk about the last bad thing or the last bad thing um, that's, that's registered on the scoreboard. Um, this is kind of a nothing play. Like the ball comes in, ball comes out, um, pass wide. To, I think it's blend again. And Robinson just loses his guy at the back post and cross comes in. Like, again, we always kind of joke about, Oh, well I could have scored that. And you know, maybe one of us could have, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to go on record and say, I could not have. Well, he hits it off like his thigh and misses it. And it still goes in like it right into the side netting. Um, we did miss a point too that I I wanted to mention um, when it was I think it's still two to one, and there's a shot from the outside of the box. Turner saves. Uh, I don't remember if it's Reem or Zimmerman misses their guy, and there's a, a header back in, and Turner just sort of like reaction palms it out and keeps us in the game. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was it, it was such a good it was such a good reaction save. I think I thought Turner like despite letting in three goals technically like played really well i mean i I felt like every every time there was a real like chance for him to get a a hand on it he did and it really took like you know wide open chances into the side netting to beat him yeah um but but holland sticks in that third goal i thought we showed some spirit and we had some chances in there but like is the game effectively over at that point for either of you yeah 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 to me it was it was done like maybe if you go down and score a goal immediately after sure but uh, to me that was pretty much done uh, I thought we fought well to get back to to 2-1 and that took a lot of energy and honestly when you when you saw that third goal go in and uh, I'll go back to it again like you saw how tired Anthony Robinson looked <laughs> uh, like in that entire passage of play 
to me, I was like, we're not getting back in this. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I thought they they put in a decent effort to, to tie it up, but it was never going to happen. No, I uh, 100% agree. I thought, I thought when the U.S. scored, if there was a camera on the Dutch coaches, they gave some kind of signal of like, get another one now. Like they were kind of like, they were kind of like, okay, we're going to go again. And they wanted to have a two goal lead. And they, you know, the U S scores five minutes later, I think in the game, they, they just go down and score. And it felt even quicker than that, watching the match. And at that moment, I kind of had this realization of like, it does not matter how many of the U S scores, they can score as many as they want. Yeah, I, I totally agree. At least um, after that first onslaught in the second half, we had obviously combination with the the goal at the end of the first half. Um, it never felt like this game was out of control for Holland. No, um, they yeah, they were gonna take it. They were gonna do what they need to do. And I mean, you, I don't want to say they were like playing with their food a little bit, but like it never. Even when we were kind of in the ascendancy, it kind of felt like yeah, we can kick it back into an extra gear and. And sometimes that's what happens. Like we, Holland is a quote unquote better team than the U.S., but that only happens on days when they're on their game and they're tactically better than we are. And both of those things happen today. And uh, at some point, you know, you you play a better team and you get beat. It happens. I mean, I think uh, going back to the discussion we had earlier about you know Greg making subs based on you know what could happen. I think the Dutch went into this game thinking, how can we get through this without any injuries and any cards and expending as little energy as we can so that we can keep advancing? Because you know that they are looking at playing Argentina in a few days and are already looking ahead to, like, how can we make sure that we are in the best opportunity to be to knock Messi out? Oh, absolutely. And I think the, the next step for U.S. soccer, we're going to do an entire different podcast where we talk about all this stuff. Because otherwise, this is going to be like five or six hours long. How do we? How does the U.S. get to that point that they're not just okay? Well, you know, they're plucky underdog and they can run around. They got some guys who can play a little bit, but you know, really, how do we do this with the like the minimal effort possible? Like how you know, occasionally the U.S. looks at you know an El Salvador or somebody like that and qualifying. Um, and I mean, we'll do that. But Brayden, any kind of like general thoughts you want to say about the game? I mean. General thoughts about the game overall. Like, I think it comes down to the U.S. had two incredibly good chances that came to nothing in this match. Obviously, the pool took one in the first, in the like first couple of minutes, and then uh, when it's two one, it comes out of how you right. The keeper comes out and makes it makes a beautiful play. But I, I think that someone who's a little quicker at center forward probably makes a little bit of a difference, and and that potentially. Uh, ties it up and you're talking about a different game and honestly when you're an underdog it's those moments that you have to capitalize on you can't have you can't fail in those moments and and that's kind of the story of the game like it, it just you you gotta convert those if you want to have a chance I, i'd also throw in in the first half tim ream had an open chance that he oh my goodness, um, yes. just didn't get enough on, which I think, which I think is kind of. Um, Are you which talking is, about which, off the corner? Yeah, where I think that was another it's one of right, those, like right at the beginning of the second half. But yeah, was it right at the beginning? Of the second half? Okay, yep. but again, again, it's one of those situations of like you know you, you get the ball in a dangerous position, you have bodies up there, good things can happen, and you know if that if that scores, it's a very different game because of how early that would have occurred in the second half. Um, but again, you you have to convert these things like you yeah. have to you I, I think you know going back to something i said earlier but like you have to punish teams for their mistakes because they're at this level they're not going to make that many yeah it, it's a game of inches it's a game of moments it's a game of bounces they didn't go our way today um and you know i'm with you like um i watched that tim ream play and i just went wow you know i look at some of these uh guy kicks it in from two inches off the goal line and i don't maybe appreciate those as much as i should um, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and and get into the the official structure of the podcast that we totally do and follow and all these instant reactions. Um, Charles, who is your uh, your MVP of the day? Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of who I thought had a really <laughs> strong game. I mean, even like Tyler Adams, I didn't think was as strong as he normally is. 
um, because the Dutch passing just kind of neutralizes his his best attributes. I thought he had a tough day. Uh, I mean, and then you know, I mean, you you don't want to go with the goal scorer, but that was kind of a fluke. Uh, I didn't think Pulisic played his best game, so I don't I don't know who I I mean, I guess I'll say Matt Turner with because he at least like made some saves, but there is not a like there is not a man of the match today. There just wasn't. Yeah. Don't worry, we'll we'll head to the um, people who didn't have the best day section soon. Uh, Braden, how about you? Um, so I am also struggling to come up with a best one. I, I think Matt Turner makes sense. Like I think he stopped everything he could have, uh, but he just unfortunately had more <laughs> more shots that he couldn't have done anything about uh, than we would have liked in this game. For me, I'm going to mostly base this on the first half performance because I think it was mostly good except for one moment. I'm going to go with uh, Serginho Dest. Like, I, I think he was kind of the attacking kind of spark, if you want to say. Like, I, he had the moments, like, if you felt like at one point if something's going to happen, it might come through him. And, like, look, if we're expecting Serginho Dest to be a defensive, like, stalwart, like, we're already in the wrong spot. <laughs> uh, like, I, he, we have him for his attacking ability. And I think he did okay for that in the first half. I think he tired in the second half, and the performance really dropped off uh, in the second half. But I think in the first half, I think he was a bright spot for us. Yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that, and I, I agree with both of what you're saying. Um, it's hard to find bright spots on a – like we said, it's the day we got beat. Uh, some bounces didn't go our way. Maybe we, we come back in and we get some, some better play in there. Um, but nobody, I think, had a, a great game. Um, I'm struggling to find one too. Really, maybe I want to say bring in DeAndre Yedlin because um, he actually played fairly okay. well in this Fair. game. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he's you, know, you can call it an assist or a hockey assist or whatever you guys want to, but uh, he came in there and he did what we asked him to do. Um, again, there aren't a ton of great choices. Because a lot of people, even like people that I thought had like decent games, there's there's failings. Like I loved Jedi gutting it out. He got the shit kicked out of him all day. He's been running up and down every day in this tournament. It's incredibly hot. He plays every three days. We ask him to run whatever it is, 10 kilometers, 12 kilometers, uh, whatever that is in American. Um, he's going, and I, I was really proud of him today, but I don't think it was his best game. Um, but who's your, somebody who didn't have the best day? Um, Braden, you can go ahead and lead off on this one. Oh boy. Um, I'm going to go, and maybe this is a little harsh because it was his first minutes of the World Cup. I'm going to go with Jesus Ferreira. I think he just did not provide what we needed up front at the number nine. Um, and I, I think it's just as simple as that. Like we needed more of a presence. We needed someone who, whether it's running behind, whether it's linking, I don't think he did either of it. And I I just think it wasn't what we needed today. No, I uh, totally agree. Charles, anything you want to add to that one or uh, jump in with yours? No, I, I mean, I would also say Ferrara, but just for the sake of talking about somebody different, I, I thought Weston got lost today. Oh, totally, totally agree. I thought he's and, been, very fair. He's and, been and, terrible most of the tournament. Yeah, I, I I still don't think he's 100% healthy, and I understand that we're still we're still Agreed. playing. I mean, he's and he's doing as much as he can, but you know, he got completely marked out of the match in midfield and really affected the U.S. not being able to to pass through the way they they like to. You yeah. know, normally you know we normally see him get the ball in, in the center areas and be able to ping those kind of diagonals that the system really relies on, and that did not happen. Yeah, and I mean, there's a, a chance he has. I don't. I think it's at the end of the first half ball kind of pings up to him he hits it left-footed and it kind of skies a little bit and i i thought he actually did pretty decent with the chance but that's not um not exactly why we're we're ragging on him today um i guess for mine i'm gonna go with walker zimmerman again because i don't need we figured out after three games we don't need him to be a colossus we need him to be there and fine and I thought movement-wise, um, there was also a moment uh, where we were starting to build again in the first half after we got kind of through our dead period. And we're pushing, we're pushing, and he just sprays the ball out of bounds. Yep, yep. yep. I know exactly the moment you're talking about. Yeah, oh my and, God. 
Yeah, and it's just those tiny, tiny moments, especially like we talked about at tournament ball, uh, where you just can't have that. And, you know, maybe he's not at fault on every single goal or anything like that, or, you know, maybe he didn't have the worst game, but it's one of those games where you see people and people rise to their level. And, you know, you can be fine at a World Cup game and, you know, not break the world and not, um, you know, cost your team the game either. But at some point, too there's a point where other people are in the game and you're clearly on a different level that doesn't quite match up. And I think that's what happened to him today. And I'm I'm not using that as an indictment on his talent or anything. I'm just saying for this day, for this game, everybody else is a notch above for the most part. And he just wasn't quite there. And I mean, maybe everybody else isn't there. Uh, I thought Eunice didn't have a great day either. Uh, We played a lot of loose passes in the first half, like we talked about. But the one that kept sticking out to me was Zimmerman, and maybe it's just because uh, Riley is pointing out to me that we should switch out whether he has the same man bun as Tim Ream to see if it happened, <laughs> if anybody notices. Um, and that's sticking in my head. But um, no, I, I think I agree um, generally. But uh, anything you guys want to add to that? I, I was just going to add about the center backs. Like, I, I really feel like this was a match where we needed one. Uh, center back with a little bit more pace and speed. And I just like, you know, as, as a lane night supporter, like I just look at how our season went when we lost miles and like, like miles Robinson, I think would have made a difference in this game. Just like being able to have to, to leave the center backs one-on-one with, with their man and, and be able to come out and, and win that matchup. Because I think that's the thing that the Netherlands were able to do. Like whether it's Ake, Van Dyke, uh, Timber at times, like it, with when they were one on one with uh, one of the U.S. taggers, like they won those matchups. Yeah, and we just didn't. And I, I feel like a a guy like Miles would have been much more of a challenge when some of those counterattacks started, and might have been able to win some of those sprints to the ball, and maybe those situations are less dangerous. So I just feel like it's not necessarily like Zimmerman. It's more like Zimmerman and Ream of both guys who are like being outpaced by uh, Netherland attackers. Like if we had someone who was like, who was able to keep up with them, it would have been better for both. Totally agree. Totally agree. Center backs are partnerships. I mean, outside of maybe the Wales game, you can't really judge them uh, (laughs) one-to-one. Yeah. And and I think not having, not having Miles Robinson or Chris Richards, hurt for that and it kind of goes to show like the level of the level of athleticism the u.s you know hopefully in 2026 if everybody's healthy man they could put a lot of pace on the field <laughs> yeah and i mean that's part of what hurt us with uh, jedi being hurt too is he's our recovery guy you see kyle walker do it all the time for man city and occasionally for england whenever gareth lets him go forward um as there's a recovery guy and he stops it and uh tyler adams was doing that a lot uh for us earlier in the tournament obviously with further support and um they were just passing around him today and and i i you can't give the whole team like kind of a nobody had a great day but um it, it's tough it's a tough one um charles you want to give us your biggest moment of suffering i i think it was especially as a united fan um watching daily blint fucking score a goal like that just like <laughs> i just sat there and i i that was when they talked about how old he was. And I was just like, how is this guy 32 and scoring in a world cup when he was like washed <laughs> so many years ago. And I was just, I, I think that was when I suffered the most. Cause I just had this like existential, like, um, like meltdown in my head of like, what is happening here? Yeah, I totally agree. And I don't know if it was better or worse when I found out he was actually younger than me. Cause I'm with you. I thought he was like 37. That's what I thought, <laughs> which yeah. is still younger than me, but still, like, I was like, wait, he's what? Yeah. <laughs> wait, he's born in the 90s? Really? That can't be true. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I think it's something you mentioned earlier, like, the the Tim Ream on the corner, where it's just like, it, it's right there, just like, that's a really good choice. Flip through it, and, and, and you get to two one, and I think this game is very different. Like you come directly out of the half, and you score a goal like that. And I think 
all of a sudden the game opens up a bit more and you get a little more belief in this team that I think really needs it to work. And maybe it's a little different, but... Uh... Yeah. No, I mean, we'll we'll get into it a little bit. Like I said, we'll do a Redux pod, but... Um... I get what you're saying. This is sort of a, a vibesy emotional team. And I don't know if Greg's necessarily the best manager for that sort of team, but um, you get sort of a goal and you get some energy and you're ready to go. And it's right at the beginning of the second half. And like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to at least get the two, two, right? Uh, there's belief and you need belief and everybody's running and everybody's going a little harder. And we, we talked about it. You keep losing those little extra bits on those 50 fifties, or maybe the second ball out. Those start going your way. This game changes. We can win this game. Um, but it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen. <laughs> it kept uh, not happening, and and sometimes that happens. Um, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of Charles a little bit. Uh, mine was actually the moment right before Daily Blend scores. So it's the um, back-and-forth pattern of play that leads to the cross. Because this is exactly what happened against Wales as well, where people just kind of switch off for a second. It's a little kind of lull moment. And obviously that ends in a penalty. It's a little different. It's not a guy coming across and smashing the ball in, but you can just see the concentration drops. And uh, I, I, I know everybody who is talking here has played sports, and I know everybody listening to this at least cares about sports, especially if you're on this episode, not just sports podcasts. But <sighs> there are moments where you absolutely 100% cannot switch off and have to be locked in and right before halftime, regardless of the sport is one of them. Yep. And you could see it coming. As soon as that little extra bit of space opens up, you're like, this is going in the back of the net. I don't know how. I don't know what's going to happen after that, if it's going to be like a missed mark or a weird, you know, own goal or something. But you're like, this is, you can't have this happen. This is going to the back of the net. Um, Yeah. So there we are. Pain. 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 And... As we know, the running theme of this, or one of the running themes of this podcast is I hate when I'm right, and um, Brad kept talking about it on uh, the Iran uh, instant reaction. Well, Greg's done fine. Greg's done fine. It's like, well, Greg's done fine until Greg doesn't do fine, and I think that's the summary of this game, and I mean, some of it's the players, right? I don't want to unfairly impugn him, um, but we'll, we'll go into go it. On. On, yeah. <laughs> um, again, uh, we... Uh, we have a time limit here for right now, and uh, we'll save that for another uh, seventy-five thousand-hour multi-series, multi-season podcast. But um, anything you guys want to add before we wrap up here? Uh, I think my one final thought is that I'm looking forward to booing Greg Berhalter in MLS next season. Good. Where do you think he's going to land? Uh, well, I would have said Columbus, but they just, they, they got their coach. Um, yeah, the Montreal guy, right? Yeah. They hired Montreal over and it seems like Montreal's in like a full rebuild. Um, Mm -hmm. so I don't know. Let's, let's say, let's, let's just, you know, not only is he not allowed to coach the U S team anymore, he's not allowed to coach any team in the U S anymore. Let's send him to Montreal. Okay. Uh, anything you want to sign off on? I love that. Um, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I I think overall, like, it. I'll do a full like redux of this like pot, of this uh, U.S. World Cup later, but I think it was fine, which is kind of like really frustrating. Like you want it to be better than like just fine, but I, I thought that was kind of where we were in this World Cup. Was like it was fine, <laughs> and I hope we can do better than that. And 26 on home soil. Yeah, I'm sure you have about seven hours cocked and loaded on that entire concept, as do I. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll go into it, and we'll, I mean, we'll do some carrying forward stuff. We'll see kind of how things shake out after this game. But we we really appreciate everybody joining us. Um, I know you were mostly suffering with the U.S. national team than us today, but um, we appreciate you coming, coming through and suffering with us. Um, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, any review, I can now finally announce what we're going to do for this. Um, so for reviews, if you want to screen cap it and mail your review or email your review to sfjpodcast at gmail.com, um, we will go ahead and confirm, hey, this is you, um, do all that cool stuff, and then we will send you a signed glamour shot of Philip J. Fryington III, Esquire, the official corgi of the uh, Suffering from Joy podcast. 
Uh, if you guys want to leave us a review, go ahead and do that. Um, great. Follow uh, Braden at TFA Braden on Twitter. Um, go ahead and follow the Football Academy. They'll give you great betting lines on stuff that you probably don't want to put money on, although you um, maybe well, make it more on. interesting. Hold on. We, we will give you betting lines. Like, I, I will not promise they are great betting lines. We will yeah. give you betting lines. Yeah, that's what I said. But um, <laughs> uh, And then go ahead and follow um, satirical website, uh, The False Nine Texas, at the False Nine N I N E Texas on Twitter. Um, they have great content. They've been doing a bunch of uh, excellent Qatar-related stuff. If you're worried about the stuff external to to the tournament as well, um, Charles, did we ever figure out how many employees you guys actually still have there? Uh. So the the good news is that uh, we were able to get everybody out because uh, the 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 prison they were being held at when uh, during the last Qatar match uh, in the rotation of making sure that there were fans there, all of the guards at that prison were called up to be fans. So nobody was there. Um, so everybody just kind of like walked out. So we have everybody back. Okay. Wow. Good. Uh, just in time for the knockout stage. It's a <laughs> it's a yellow card amnesty of sorts, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Total amnesty. We're back. Um, so we'll we'll keep uh, posting uh, content and keeping up with our uh, uh, our team's uh, picks pool uh, for the World Cup winners. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, once again, thanks everyone for joining us, and thanks for suffering with us. We'll be back with plenty of more USA content, plenty of more World Cup content. Uh, just stay tuned, subscribe, and you'll get it in your feed. Promise here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name. Austin Folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.